If you want to stay at Braintree High and go to a public high school and save your money for college, you can come here and you're going to get a great experience. You're going to get great exposure, playing a Division One schedule versus the best teams. And I don't know what else we can offer. That was Braintree High School baseball coach Bill O'Connell. He'll be our guest on the Base Path podcast. We're back with another edition of the Base Path Podcast with an in-studio guest. First, let me introduce my co-host, Matt Feld. I'm Dan Guttenplan, host of the Base Path Podcast. Our guest today has built one of the most consistent high school programs in Massachusetts. Braintree High School coach Bill O'Connell was named the Boston Herald Coach of the Decade for the period running from 2010 to 2019. Bill, thank you so much for joining us in studio. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm always fascinated with high school coaches at public high schools in Massachusetts that can establish these perennial state championship contenders. On the way in, you were just talking about the state Super 8 back-to-back champions in 2014 and 2015. How do you establish that type of perennial state championship contender at a public school? I'm just kind of carrying this over. This Braintree baseball has been, it's been a tradition since the 70s. It's like not like a lot of other public high schools where they have rich tradition. We have great little league. We have great support in town. So so that's where it started. I mean, I played at Walpole High in the 80s and, and Braintree was winning state championships then. So I'm just, just kind of carrying it on, keeping the tradition. And I think we've taken it to a, another level when we got to those super eights and we made five out of six, but there's a lot that goes into it. Do you feel pressure once you get to that point? You when you get to the championship in fourteen, you win the you win the super eights that you did, the amount that you were on the map. You were one of the top three, four programs. Like you said, it's been a it's been like that at Braintree for a long time, but but you're there, you see yourself in the rankings every single year, preseason, postseason, what have you. Do you feel any personal pressure to kind of sustain the program once you get to that point, once you see the program at that point? Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I, if, I, if I didn't say yes, of course. And it's funny, I had a conversation, I got a good, Brian Lee is a good friend of mine, football coach at King Phillip, and actually we met last week, and we, we meet every once in a while just to kind of shoot the breeze, get caught up, and we had that same discussion about when you're on top, and sometimes it's not what it appears. It's not as fun as everyone thinks, you know, the pressure to win, and you have such an obligation, you feel so much, you feel so responsible, and you got the community behind you, the the school, the, the, the staff, the kids, and you want to make sure you're doing all the right things to hopefully get you to, to stay at that level. And I think we do that. I think we've established a program now where it's kind of a year-long program that we have, our commitment that we ask of the kids. Now, we encourage them to play other sports, and we, we really do. We encourage them to play other sports, but to stay competitive, to stay relevant, to stay up with the competition, our kids are playing fall they're playing they're playing all summer they're playing all fall right now we're in the middle of our our winter program that we offer we're offering a, a strength and conditioning program a couple of days a week the kids are starting to hit they're starting to pitch they're, they're going to get some some coaching from outside so so the process is beginning now and then once we get to the season obviously my staff we all take over but it's kind of a year-round commitment nowadays not like the old days where you show up and you show up March 17th and you play baseball. So For two months, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? So it, when I'm talking to high school coaches right now, or even St. John's Prep type coaches, it seems like so many kids now through the pandemic are either re- going to prep schools to kind of reclassify and drag out the recruiting process a little bit more so that they have an extra year to get their looks <laughs> while these college rosters are full. 
How have you been able to keep guys at Braintree High School? Do you think it's because the program is still so well established? So that's a great question. I think I think if you asked me five years ago, I never thought about it. I just the kids would would come up. We've established relationships when they were younger. We have youth camps. We're, we're very invested in the Little League program and the Babe Ruth programs and fundraisers, and we have my coaches live in town. So we're really entrenched in the program in the community. So it really has never really been a problem up until kind of the pandemic. I'm starting to see that now. We're starting to begin to lose some players normally that we, we, we haven't in the past. And we've always lost some players, I mean. But I feel like now it's a little bit more common because of the, the reclassifications that kids can do and it's starting to seep in to the MI schools, whether they want to believe that or not, it's starting. It starts with the middle school programs. They're able to reclassify with the middle school programs, which that's something that we can't do. So, yeah, so it is a challenge. So I feel like what we need to do is offer a good product. Our, our high school is outstanding. Our academic programs at Braintree High School are, are really, they're, they're outstanding. We've got great teachers. We've got great administrators, great support. And as I mentioned before, kind of the layout of our program and the offerings that we have for kids. When I have meetings with parents and I talk to the youth parents and kind of just lay out there what we can offer. If you want to stay at Braintree High and go to a public high school and save your money for college, you can come here and you're going to get you're going to get a great experience. You're going to get great exposure playing a Division One schedule versus the best teams. And I don't know what else what else we can offer. Hey, that's all you can offer. Yeah. Throughout the throughout all your tenure at Braintree High, you've had so many great players that have come through the program. I mean, the teams that, that won those Super 8s and participated in those Super 8s have players that programs would, would die for, and you seem to have a solid wave of them year after year after year. You know, guys like Connor Columbus and Eric McDonald and all those guys, Scott Greeden. What do you remember most fondly about kind of that five- to six-year era that you had and, and kind of speak to the influence that those players have kind of had on your coaching legacy and career. Yeah, I mean, obviously we had some exceptional players. I mean, we've, we've always had good teams. We've always made the tournament. We've gone a couple games deep. But during that stretch of probably 2014 to up until the pandemic, 19, we made five out of six appearances in the tournament. I mean, we, we, really, we had exceptional players we had a lot of players who were just baseball-only guys, to be honest with you. I mean, Eric McDonald, he was a great three-sport athlete. Pretty uh, good golfer. <laughs> tremendous golfer, turned pro. We, we were contemplating where we want to play baseball, and he said, Coach, I want to be a pro golfer. And we're like, good luck. Yeah. But anyways, but besides that, I mean, obviously we had some great players, but they were hungry. We had a group that the year before, I remember in 2013, we played Bridgewater Raynham, who was loaded. They went on to win the state championship. And they came over to our place, and they slaughtered us. It was like 14 to 2. And I remember we had everybody coming back. And I remember just they were on a mission. of like, we want to be that. We want to be that. What do we have to do? And then we as a staff kind of looked back, like, what do, what do we have to do to kind of improve the program? So that's when we began to implement some of these other opportunities that we're offering now. And it seemed to work. It's got us going in the right direction. And the 2015 was just, just a fun. That team just got inducted to the Braintree High Hall of Fame in, in November, which was fantastic. It was awesome to see those guys again, and we had a great time. And uh, a lot of those guys went on to play college. I think we had on that team eight of those starters went on to play college baseball. So, I mean, it's easy to have success when you have those type of guys going on. That's amazing. Yeah, that's As far as the development piece, like, so you are more than most public schools able to provide these year-round opportunities for these guys to continue to play baseball. If it's a year-round sport or even if they're three-sport guys, they're at least kind of keeping their hand in it. 
outside of baseball season. I wonder with the development piece, how much it's changed now with travel baseball that's so much more popular that guys are playing, able to play baseball outside of baseball season, even if it's not necessarily with their high school program. Has that made, has it leveled the playing field at all so that other schools that maybe weren't doing that outside of the season, now those guys are coming in just as prepared at the high school level? Oh, absolutely. I think kids are just playing higher level baseball than they have in the past. A lot of our guys, we have, we our guys kind of stay together. I know a lot of communities, there's all different type of philosophies where they play other type of AU offerings in Northeast and GBGs and Roughnecks. There's all these other offerings for kids, which is, which is great. They want to do that. They want to invest the time. They got the money. Go for it. I think it's fantastic. I don't think anything's wrong with that. Our guys in Braintree, they tend to stay around and play American Legion baseball. Jim Joyce, my assistant coach, he has a, a facility in town, which is we've, we've truly benefited from. He opened that in, 2000, in 2012. So we got an AU program that's out of there. So we kind of have a fall ball team. My assistant coach runs a fall ball team, our showcase team. So we're getting our guys out there and playing and, and getting the exposure. But as far as the other guys playing a higher level stuff and getting great and great coaching, getting great against great competition, yeah, the the the, the level of play is, is it's increased dramatically in the last five to seven years. What in particular do you feel like? I feel like Massachusetts high school baseball is unique, and we speak about this with a lot of podcast guests. But you know, the season's only two months long, or two and a half months if you're lucky. You're probably getting thirty days of good weather if if you're lucky. It's not twenty five degrees. There's no snow on the ground. In that respect. How did how have you over the years learned to kind of manage the players in terms of you know, the ramp up period, making sure that they're performing at the right time? Because I feel like as opposed to other states where maybe it's warm in January and February when they're when they're ramping up, you're kind of going right into it, and you've got your ace pitching in 30 degree weather the second week in April, yeah. and you're hoping he's just as durable in June. How have you kind of navigated that? And do you think the pitch counts that have gone into impact your strategy at all when it comes to again handling and, and maintaining arms? Yeah, so I think I think it goes along to what. We've, we've kind of mapped out our, our plan from January 1st up until the start of the season. So our guys right now are just starting to on their own without, without us being there. But we give them a plan. They're doing long toss, so they're working with uh, an instructor, just working on fundamental stuff. So we haven't started our bullpen work yet. We'll be starting that. We usually start that at the end of January. So we put them on pitch counts and tell them, okay, we want you to get 25 pitches for the first couple of weeks and then build 40 pitches and et cetera. So we're kind of, by, by the time we have the first day of practice, and I think it's pretty common for most high schools around that the kids aren't just picking the ball for the first time. So we feel like our guys are, are, are on their way when our first practice is, is there. So we feel like we're just, we're just officially starting. And I, like I said, I think that's pretty common practice nowadays. You have to, just because for the safety of the kid, like Matt said, it is too cold. I couldn't imagine a kid going out and throwing a skirmish, a 30-pitch and a 30-degree a day. So, so we, between that, between getting them going and getting them prepared, for, for our program right now, we have seven scrimmages set up before our first game. They're already done. They're, they're, they're locked in. I generally get teams with turf fields, so we, we usually get them all in. Last year, we got all seven in, which is phenomenal. So I feel like got game one, it's game. You feel like you're game seven or eight. You're in that mode. We kind of know who's who. We've made some decisions instead of waiting, or maybe losing a couple weeks of the season. We've kind of made those decisions before the season officially started with the scrimmages. So, and it's great for the guys because now we're getting close to 20 at bats. We're getting some innings. We're building up the stamina. So, I think that's how we lay it out to kind of get us ready to compete because, as we know, 
you, you only got the 18 to 20 games. So <laughs> every game matters. Game one is just as important as game 20. So. And it flows by, it flies by in the spring too, because you know sometimes the weather's not, you can't get out there and start playing games until April, and then you got to wrap it up by Memorial Day. It's like you can't have guys like treating it like spring training, pitching one inning at a time in the beginning of the season. You need to have your guys extended so they can actually give you a good start. I wanted to ask about the Super Eight. I, I was looking through, and I actually think it was an article that Matt wrote in the Boston Herald, but he was asking you about your Super Eight opinion back when they took it away, I think, after the 2019 postseason. And you were saying that was a great tournament. It was 25, 30 scouts in the stands. It was given these. And last year would have been fascinating to watch that with you guys and Taunton and Franklin. But then you also had Milton from Division Two. Austin Prep was Division Three. I would have loved to see that tournament play out. What is your feeling on the Super 8? And do you get a sense that there's any way it's going to be returning at the end of this arrangement? Yeah, the problem is they gave, we, we were exposed to it and we saw how awesome it is. Right. That, that was the problem. They gave us an opportunity to do it. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was, it was fabulous. I mean, it was great for the players, it was great for the fans and, and writers and scouts and colleges. Everybody involved loved it. Right. I mean, whether, if it ever came back and whether I, my, my team or we're fortunate ever to be there again, whatever the case is. It, it should exist. Right. I mean, I'm not just saying it selfishly. I just think it's great. It was awesome. It, it gave, it even gave, we talk about fair and equitably and all this stuff that we hear reasons why it doesn't exist. If you look to the teams that had success to have an opportunity to celebrate a, a championship, a Norwood or Needham, who won state championships that wouldn't, I'm not going to say never, but might have had a tougher opportunity, might have been a tougher time under these circumstances now with everybody in the same tournament. So I feel like you gave those programs an opportunity to enjoy success, and then you gave the eight best teams an opportunity to battle and see who is the best team. Yeah. I mean, my our last year when we, in 2019, our last Super 8 appearance, we went 0-2. We had a really good team. And I could have went either way. I think if we stayed in Division One, we had a chance to win it all. We had a really good team. But, of course, if I ask the players, they're like, no, we'd rather go 0-2 in the Super 8 to experience that opportunity. And, um, yeah, it's just fascinating. It was awesome, the experience, the, the, the connections, the, the exposure the kids got. You, you can't you, – it, it was like nothing else. I mean, if you talk to any scout, they love to just sit there all day and just college scouts and looking at younger guys, watching infield, outfield, and just sitting there for a day. So, I mean – not just for baseball. I would I would love to see a, a Super 8 in, in girls lacrosse. So imagine seeing a Super 8 in, in, in girls field hockey. You'd have an unbelievable tournament. Oh, so yeah. it'd be great if we can just have more of those, give kids more opportunities to, to have those experiences. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division 1, 2, and 3 colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. 
insightful. One of the great things about the tournament is it just generated excitement around the sport. Like people were so into baseball and tracking teams and how they were succeeding, how they were doing, whether it was Braintree going to get upset by Framingham or something like that, because that mattered towards the end of the season, both for Framingham seating and also for your perspective, Super 8 hopes or aspirations. I just felt like it provided juice to a, to a sport that, quite frankly, had struggled to have juice to a sport compared to maybe football or hockey in the state. No, that's a good point, Matt. It really did. It just added instant, just like like you said, the, the excitement, it, it was back. It was brought back. I mean, meaningful games, playing, playing a, a non-league game versus BC High in, in early April was like exciting it was awesome like it was a must win you had to win that game and if you didn't you were, you were tracking other teams you were watching other teams with this new format now you just you just play and where you fall you fall it's not like it's you don't have that same energy when you go out and schedule differently it definitely obviously had great crowds there in the finals and, and etc so i don't get who's opposed to it because even last year <laughs> i talked to coach morrissey with milton and the Austin prep coach, John Pollard, yeah. and they were both saying, like, they won they won state championships. They both deserved it. But they were like, they, they, we would have been just as happy going to the Super 8 and one of the eight yeah. wins. Like, that, that would have been a great year for perfect us. Perfect example. Imagine yeah. seeing Milton play Austin prep. That, what yeah. a game. You would have had a couple thousand people to go to watch oh, that yeah. game at Rock Stadium. Yeah. I wonder if you have a feeling about, so it seems like baseball is becoming a sport that is taking away opportunities for people who don't have the financial means just because you have travel ball now in the showcases, people going to prep school, reclassifying. It seems like you have an advantage now. If you And I know a lot of sports are like that. It's not just baseball. Do you, are you worried about that for your guys in Braintree, that it's becoming a sport for the wealthy? I only could speak for my guys. Like I said, we're providing opportunities for our guys, and we're going to just give them the, the best opportunity that we can provide, and we're going to coach them up as best we can. Like I said, it's it's our town is, is rich in baseball history, so I don't think that'll ever run dry. Like I said, I'm, a very, I'm involved in the youth, and our, our numbers are great. Local AU program, there's plenty of people, there's plenty of players that are playing. So I think the the bodies are always going to be there, and your interest interest level at Branchy High School will always be there. So I'm not worried about that, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really get wrapped up on the finances and that, this and that. I mean, if if you got you're wealthy enough to to play at a higher level AU or get more exposure or or get better coaching, that's that's good for you guys. You know? More power to you. Yeah, right? more power to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel like, have you, I, I've, I, a lot of, I, on the basketball front, I know high school coaches that have been around 10, 15, 20 years feel like the, the college recruiting landscape has changed because as opposed to in the past, maybe when the college coaches would call them, they're now calling the AAU coaches instead. Like I'm talking to high school coaches that used to coach power five guys at the same MIA schools, but now because of the AAU circuit, they're not getting the phone calls. The coaches aren't coming into the gym. Has that changed at all on the baseball side of things between the conversations maybe they used to have with college coaches 10, 15 years ago? Or do you feel like still the recruiting goes through on the baseball side of things through the high schools? Well, I think, I think it goes through both. I mean, I, with all, I've been around 25 years now. So I, I feel like it's just like in the else is more experienced, the more people that early in my career, I, I didn't even know who to call. I had no idea. I called my former college coach at Springfield College. That's who I'd call every day. But now I feel like I, I, I've branched out. I, we've, we've placed a lot of people. We're just looking at it recently because we're doing, we're upgrading. At Braintree High, we're doing like, a, we have an online system now with all records and whatnot. Nice. So I just had to submit like all the guys who've played in college. So it was, it was kind of cool to look back and 
I think we're around 75 guys that have gone on to play college baseball, JUCO, Division One, Two, Three, community college, whatever. So between that network, that's that's a big net now. I got some former players now that are, are college coaches, so that helps. One of my coaches is a scout, so I think I think that dynamic has been pretty good. I think they know Brentry High is a, a good program, so if I call somebody or I reach out or if they get some exposure, I think the network, I think a lot of coaches kind of help each other out too. I've gotten calls from Northeastern or Boston College and say, hey coach, I was told to take a look at this kid. He plays in your league. What do you think? So I think that network is, is pretty good. We're all looking to help kids. I'll give a, a positive comment for a kid if I saw him. So like for example, here's a perfect example. We had, last year we had Jordan Gorm, really good player, shortstop. Was highly recruited as a young kid. Ended up at San Giacchino Community College. But last year we had every, I'd say the first 10 games of the season, there was a call, it was a pro scout or two at the game and taking Bratton practice before the game a couple other guys go through and I and I mosey over to the scout and just say hey what you think and he said hey he looked great but who was the kid who went after him and it ended up being Jack Fitzgerald mm-hmm. he's a 6'4 kid and from that he got some recognition word got out got invited to the area code games and 48 hours later he had a bunch of offers and had an awesome one with University of Dayton so I think I think if your program's strong and you've got some a reputation and you do things the right way, I think the college coaches will they'll appreciate your feedback and and give your kids some opportunities. It seems like you prioritize good communication with the parents. You said you start off the beginning of the year, hey, we're, these are the opportunities that we're going to offer your guys. This is the opportunities they have with AAU outside of this program, and there's really proactive communication. I've heard from a lot of people that that communication with parents hasn't been so great over the last few years, either parents arguing with umpires or arguing that they their kids deserve more playing time. Do you think your proactive approach prevents that stuff from happening, or have you noticed more of a trend of parents being a problem? No, I don't think the, I, I think the proactive, anytime when you can communicate and tell people why, everyone wants to know why kids, we all want to know why you asked me to do this. So mm-hmm. I think, I think that helps. I think getting out there and just laying out the plan, this is what we do, shows that we care about the kids not just the wins and losses we want to give kids opportunities as far as parents are concerned i mean i communicate with the parents just like everybody else would do do you have problems i think every every coach every program has had problems and i, I but i in, in in the last several years i think things have been pretty good i think again the communication on my end has definitely been better being a teacher helps we can start with the google classrooms and just kind of like monthly emails to parents home hey this is what we're doing fundraise activities and and i think when the kids go home hopefully they go home and they're they're happy the kid the parent sees my kid's having a good time he's enjoying his experience so i think all that helps but overall i think my parents have been fine in braintree so we, we haven't we haven't really had any problems how do you feel like over the years that you've either changed or developed as a as a coach? What are some things maybe that you do differently now, maybe than you did when you when you first started? Oof, that's a good question. Well, let's see. I mean, my roots are football. So when I first started, I mean, I was a football coach for many years in, in Walpole, and three sport athlete in college. So football, baseball, and hockey were, were my deals. I was a real emotional player. Still somewhat of an emotional coach. But I think I've learned to to temper that, to control that, to realize that 
kids are watching how you react and setting a, 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 a positive experience or being a positive role model. If I'm going to expect a kid to do this, I've got to showcase that too. So I think if anything, I've learned to just kind of mellow a little bit, try to enjoy it. Like I talked about, like Chris Costell is a good friend of mine at Walpole. And we were talking the other day too. And we feel like sometimes we just do too much too. We, we were asking too much of the kids too early and maybe they get burnt out. So we're trying to like back off a little bit, try to enjoy this process a little bit more. Winning obviously is important. That's, that's everyone's here to win, but also just to have a nice positive experience. Cause when you see the kids now and I see them beyond college and they've got jobs and they've got families and, and you can just talk to them and enjoy the conversation and just realize that's what's more important. I hope I didn't say something that offended him for the rest of his life when he was 17 years old, type of thing. So, I don't know. I think you just try to learn to just have, just to enjoy this situation a little bit more because it's it's going to be over soon, especially yeah. in my case. I was reading. Well, I think it was after maybe your 2015 title season. You were saying all these players understand the brain tree. Is that a way of? preparing or is it a way that you execute on game day or how would you describe the Braintree way? Yeah, I just preparation. I think, like I said, it's, 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 it's my back. I think it's a background of football where football is so meticulous and you got to, there's so many things that go into a play in a situation. And I feel like me as a coach and how I preach to my coaches is we just, I want to be good at all the fundamentals. The wins will take them themselves. The runs will come, but if you can, if you can bunt, if you can suicide squeeze, if you can run a first and third, or you can move a runner over, or you can battle with two strikes. So, I think we kind of play the game within the game. We try to play all the strategies and the situations, and because you know, like I always tell my guys, baseball can be boring. This could be a very, very boring game. So, if we can win those situations, we keep stats, we we get points. We talk about like the two out base hits and the two strike approach and. Winning all those little battles, that excites me as a coach, and I hope that and, and I could see that it excites the players, and you see a guy get fired. Sometimes you see a kid get fired up because he, he, he moved the runner over with no else for a man on second. So stuff like that, that excites us like, wow, the kids recognize what we're trying to work on. So I think that's, if you're going to say the brinch away, that's just to work on the little things and just trying to play the game within the game. Hmm. Who are some of your... Um Idols or role models in the coaching world when you were getting started? Who are some coaches that maybe you tried to emulate yourself after or, or maybe look up to in terms of how they interacted with kids and, and coached kids? Was there anyone from the past that, that you can kind of remember kind of idolizing? Yeah, you know what? I've, I've had some great, great mentors. I mean, when I was a player in high school, uh, Joe Morgan was the manager of the Red Sox and Walpole. Mike Milbury was the, the, the coach of the Bruins and Jimmy Rogers was the Celtics. So we grew up, we kind of had this, This we had John Lee as a, as a head football coach at Walpole and Bill Tompkins and Eddie Corain from Brookline. He was a, a great hockey coach. So I had these great role models coming up and I knew I wanted to be like them. You're 18 years old. What do you want to do with your life? I'm like, I want to be one of those guys. They have a great life. So I had those guys as a, as a young, young person coming up. But as far as getting into my official coaching, looking up to 
again, Bill Tompkins, who I had at Walpole High School, and Chuck Grant, he was a, a mentor for me at Walpole, at Walpole High. Great coach, great mode, unbelievable motivator. I still talk to him to this day about situations, and he's phenomenal. He's just got a way with words. He's not coaching anymore, but we talk quite often. Dave Swanton was a head coach at Braintree High School Football, who I worked under for a couple of years. He went on to be the headmaster. And again, he's another guy who's retired, but I, I, I talk to when I have situations that I'm not sure how to handle. So there's those guys right there, right off the top of my head. Those are guys that that really been influential on me. Barry Greener at Walpole High School. Donnie Fredericks, who I see all the time as a, again, he was a head coach and iconic figure when I was younger. So he was a guy I can talk to about certain situations as well. At the beginning of your career, did you did you plan or expect to be a high school coach for your entire career? Or did you ever imagine going to the college or professional levels? Yeah, right away. Right when I got out of Springfield, Springfield is such just a college factory where I, I thought about GA and as a football coach or, or going to the college rank. But I don't know. What, what I just very vividly just remember saying, all right, I had it done. I was done with school, and I came back, and I got right right into coaching at Walpole High football, and started substitute teaching. I said, okay, this this is where I want to start. And job opened up at Braintree, and I've been here ever since. I've been here for 28 years as a teacher. Yeah, I've had some. I've had some thoughts of maybe taking it to the next level. I got a, well, I had a young family at the time, my wife and, and four daughters, and just kind of settled into that life and enjoy it. No regrets. Have, have had a couple opportunities to to coach down the Cape the last several years. Just haven't pulled the trigger yet. I'm just not ready to do that yet. Give that commitment. It takes an unbelievable commitment to do that, and. I run summer baseball camps all summer, so hopefully maybe that's something that I'd like to do and, and kind of experience, but overall, I've just, I've enjoyed the experience, and yeah, I have no regrets. You mentioned four daughters. Oh, oh yeah. I'm curious if you ever had any interest or consideration in terms of coaching softball, so you could coach your, <laughs> coach your daughters in high school. I know some coaches over the years that have gone from coaching boys basketball to coaching girls basketball when they were when their daughters were at youth levels and and so hopefully with that that the idea of coaching at the next level or did you do you enjoy or did you enjoy being a parent in the stands and a lot of no unfortunately if i had if i could do life over again that's what i would do i would i would have been a parent in the stands i was i was the soccer coach i was the basketball (laughs) coach i was the softball coach i was the lacrosse coach i did it all so i I go to my practice they go to their practice for they were all kind of similar age so we'd have an hour and a half, then an hour and a half, and then be home at nine o'clock and pass out. So people ask, you miss it? I said, absolutely not. Once I got to eighth grade and it was over, I said, thank God I never have to do this again. So I hope that answers you. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I'm actually, I volunteered to coach lacrosse for my daughter this spring, and I I was just contemplating to do i need to get a girl stick for that or what <laughs> what do i need for that no you just use whatever you can survive to make yourself look good. <laughs> that makes sense well that's great matt is there anything else or the, the last thing i wanted to ask you coach you mentioned it but you've been offered a couple times to to go down maybe on the cape and and coach i can't remember if one of them was the COVID year and then the league never yeah. never even happened but yeah. you've you've coached so many players that have gone on to play at the next level whether it's division one or juco doesn't everywhere in between I, i'm curious about the 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 interest to, to coach players that are already at that level if and when you're you're willing you go down there and have you thought in terms of just the maybe the adjustment and coaching styles that you'd have to make I know you wouldn't be the head coach of the team but certainly players would be looking up to you to help refine them to prepare to potentially get paid for the major league baseball draft it's certainly a different 
group of kids that you're that you're coaching and are now working with. Yeah, I think it, it would be not for number one. It'd be an awesome experience. I would love that opportunity or, or to do it someday. But I think it would be great. I think just to be be like one of the guys, just put yeah. them through, put them through drills, put them through a workout, and just just have some fun with them. I, I think it. I think that's the the greatest draw. I mean, I go down a couple of times a year just to watch and. And I'm just kind of watching the coaches coach. You just, as a coach, you like to watch the coaches and you see them interaction. And it just seems like just a nice, relaxed atmosphere. Just experience of those guys and just working out with them would, would probably be a blast. Even in college coaching, I mean, I got like six years left of, of uh, high school coaching and teaching. I don't know, do I stay on, whatnot? I don't know what, 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 what the future holds. I mean, I wouldn't mind being an assistant coach at a Division three college baseball program in, in Massachusetts either. That seems like that would be a great experience as well. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Thanks to Braintree High School coach Bill O'Connell for joining us on the Base Path Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, David Yaz. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.